Easter Sunday is not only the most important day of the Christian year, but also the first Sunday of a series of eight Sundays that ends with Pentecost. During these eight weeks, we celebrate the victories the risen Christ won for us. These victories are Easter gifts given to bring about the growth of a new people, gifts that continue to make us new today. So with shouts and songs of Alleluia, we celebrate the gifts of the risen Christ and present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The Gospel for today is from John chapter 17 and will also serve as the basis for the sermon. Jesus prays for the unity of all of his followers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The Gospel of the Lord. Christ is risen. When was the last time that you really really wanted something. I don't mean we're watching a TV commercial and said, oh, that would be nice, or pushing a cart through the store and without even thinking, drop something into the cart. I mean, when was the last time you wanted something badly enough that you were willing to work for it? When was the last time you wanted something badly enough that it involved some sacrifice and it was a sacrifice you were willing to make? Maybe it was a scholarship in college. That was the missing piece of the puzzle. That scholarship was what it required for you to be able to afford to go into the college of your choice, which had the degree program uh, of your choice. You, you had this whole plan set, and it was all dependent. It was all contingent on this scholarship. And so no matter what they asked you to do, you would do it. Four-hour-long application process, no problem. 20-page essay, no problem face-to-face -face visit with the chancellor, you would do it because you needed it, you, you, you wanted it. Maybe it's 10 pounds that you're hoping you can lose before uh, the summer comes. How badly do you want it? You find the answer to that question in the lengths that you're willing to go to, to achieve it. Are you willing to spend some money on a gym membership? Are you willing to carve it into your busy schedule, time to go and, and work out? Are you willing to make some sacrifices on the dinner plate? Are you willing to cut out the midnight snack? Find the answer to those questions, and then you'll find the answer to the real question, how badly do 
you want it. There's an open starting spot on the varsity team, and it could be yours, but it's going to take some practice. It's going to take some off-season training. You're going to have to pound some weights. You're going to have to run a little bit more so that you are in shape enough so that you are the athletic place you need to be in order to beat out the competition. Everyone wants to, to play on the team. Everyone wants a starting spot, but how badly do you want it? Here's something that you don't know about me. I would like to win an Olympic gold medal. I think that'd be pretty neat. I think it'd be cool to, to hang up by my diploma on the wall in the office. I think it would be, it would be neat. I could wear it under my elbow while I'm preaching and no one would, would even know. How cool would that be to have a gold medal from the Olympics? But here's the difference between me and Simone Biles. In addition to raw athletic talent, the, there, there's another difference and it's, it's drive. It's passion. She has four gold medals, but I guarantee you she wants the fifth way, way, way more than I want to win my first gold medal. She's willing to make some pretty major sacrifices. She sacrifices pretty much her entire life, at least the normalcy of her life, in order to achieve that goal. She works out 10 hours a day. She goes to special school so that she can train for gymnastics while she's taking schooling. She works out harder than I ever will. She gives up family time. She gives up time with friends. She gives up everything. Everything that a normal girl her age would have, she gives it up because that's her passion and that's her drive. And my slogan is maybe leaning a little bit more towards one that I read on a t-shirt recently. That t-shirt wondered or asked, I wonder if tacos think about me all day too. <laughs> Today in the gospel, we heard what Jesus wanted. What Jesus wants, and it's you. Jesus wants you, and he wants unity with you and for you with fellow believers. That's what Jesus wants, and that's why he prayed I pray also for those who will believe in me through the disciples' message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Jesus wants his followers to be one. He wants them to have unity, and that makes sense. That's a good prayer because that's how teams work. Teams work better when there's unity. At any given time, one team puts 11 players out on the football field. And if those 11 players have 11 different ideas and 11 different goals in mind and they pull in 11 different directions, guess how successful the team is going to be? Not very successful at all. But a coach's number one job is to develop unity. If the coach can get all 11 players to buy into the overall game plan and if he can get them all to know and be able to execute their job, their responsibilities on any given play, now there's unity and now there's a chance and a likelihood of success. 
when a congregation has 1,200 members, and if they all have 1,200 different ideas, and if they all pull in their own unique direction, and now that means 1,200 different directions, guess where the body moves when it's being pulled in 1,200 directions? It goes nowhere. And as if that weren't bad enough, there's going to be quite a bit of fighting along the way. But when a congregation can buy into a vision, when they can recognize the roles that they have to play, the responsibilities they have, the opportunities that they can use to serve the Lord with the talents that they've already been given, when they can follow a leadership team that is setting a course and driving in one singular direction, now you've got the potential for a vibrant ministry. Now you have the potential for a living and active church. And it's all because of unity. Jesus desperately wants us to be unified with one another. Jesus passionately prays for us to have this unity, but even more important than that is the unity that he prays that we have with him. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Jesus wants to have a place in your life. He wants to have a place in your heart. He wants to have oneness with you, even as the Father and he share oneness. And this is where we venture into a place that's beyond our ability to comprehend We venture into this mysterious trinity, three persons in one God. We know the basics, but we can't explain how it works. We can't understand the mind of God or the essence of God, but we know that he's an awesome God. We don't know what it means that the Father can be in the Son and the Son can be in the Father, but we know this, that that relationship is presented in the way that it is in Scripture to show the closest and tightest relationship that there could be. The Father isn't superior to the Son nor the Son inferior to the Father, but they are as tight as tight can be. That's what the Father has. That's the glory of the Father shining through the Son. And now we hear Jesus offer this prayer. He wants that for you. He wants you to have that same relationship with him. He wants you to be as close as close can be with the Father. He wants the Father to live in you and you to live in him. That's our Savior's prayer. That's why he passionately prays for you. Most of the time when we offer a prayer, amen is about as far as we can take it. We can pray the same prayer again. We can be bold and persistent the way that God asks us to pray. But once we say amen, we need to leave it in God's hands, let it be up to him whether our prayer is answered the way we want or not. But Jesus doesn't leave this prayer at just amen. Jesus passionately prays for you. He passionately prays that you have unity with him and then he's the one who carries it out. He wants it so badly, he wants it so deeply that he's willing to make a sacrifice. That he's willing to do what it takes so that that oneness could be and will be ours. You see, Jesus knows. Jesus knows just what it would take for you to have oneness with him. Jesus knows exactly what 
sacrifice would have to be made and who would have to make it. And he prays the prayer nonetheless. It's part of what makes this prayer incredible. Jesus prays for us to have oneness with him and with the Father, and he knows at what great cost that will come to him. He knows that the only way for us to have oneness with him is for our sins to be forgiven. He knows that the only way for us to have oneness with the Father is for us to be washed clean and made pure and be prepared to stand in the presence of a holy God. And he knew the only way for him to do it was for him to sacrifice himself to be our Savior. Consider the context of this prayer. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples on the Thursday of Holy Week. He had just instituted the Lord's Supper. He had just told them that one of them would betray him, and now he was about to walk out that door and into the garden. Minutes away from being betrayed by Judas. Minutes away from being bound and arrested by Judas and his angry mob. He was hours away from a fake courtroom with phony charges. He was hours away from the piercing pain of thorn and nail. Hours away from shedding his blood to be the savior of the world. And yet he passionately prays, all the while knowing at what expense it would be to him, all the while knowing that it would hurt him dearly, but he wanted it. He wanted it so badly that he was willing to offer that prayer. He wanted it so badly that he was willing to live that life and to give that life so that we could be his, so that we could be one with him. Think about that. It's an uncommon prayer. How many times have you prayed, Lord, I want my pain to be someone else's gain? How many times have you prayed, Lord, I want the pain and the trial and the suffering that all these people in this room today are facing, I want that to come onto me so that they can have joy and peace. That's an uncommon prayer because that's an uncommon kind of love. But it's the love that Jesus has for us. It's the self-sacrificing love that makes him our savior, friend. Jesus passionately prayed for you, and then he passionately lived for you. He literally lived out a passion. His suffering, his betrayal, his death, he carried out his passion for you. Because that was the length of his love. But Jesus' love doesn't end there in death. He rose again in victory to prove himself to be who he said he was, to prove himself to be your Savior and mine. He rose in glory, power. Easter means that the victory has been won. Easter means that sin and death have been destroyed. Easter means that heaven is ours. Easter means that we belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to us. Paul talks about that connection that we have with a risen Savior in that great resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam died, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ the firstfruits, and then when he comes, those who belong to him. Jesus passionately prayed for us. He went to great lengths to ensure that we would have unity with one another. He went to great lengths to ensure that we would share that common bond of the faith, that we could refer to each other and consider each other for what we are, blood-bought souls, children of a heavenly Father. Jesus made great sacrifice and went to great lengths to make that unity ours, and so let's ask his strength, his power, and his patience that we maintain that unity. Let's ask that the Spirit fill our hearts with a sense of gentleness and kindness, humility and love, that we might be an ever stronger family of believers, that that bond that that Christ Jesus has given us might continue to grow and continue to be a strength in our lives. Christ Jesus passionately lived for us. He passionately lived for us and then suffered and died so that we could be one with the Father, so that we could have a relationship with him. If Jesus was passionate about us having a relationship with him, how about we be passionate about having a relationship with Jesus? How about we use the tools that he has put at our disposal so that that relationship can grow, so that that bond can continue to be strengthened? Let's be passionate about word and sacrament. Let's be jealous about our opportunities to to be in the scriptures, to be here in his house, to hear his word and respond in songs of praise. Let's make the sacrament a priority, the foretaste of the heavenly banquet that he has given us to eat and to drink. Let's be passionate about the means of grace because they hold before us the love that Jesus has, the undeserved love that we receive as the free gift of our Savior. He went to great lengths for us. Let's go to lengths to say thank you, to sing and live his praises. This past Thursday, we celebrated Ascension. And on Ascension Day, we recognize that Jesus is no longer bodily and physically present with us, but he promises his presence. He promises his guidance, and he tells us that he's there in heaven preparing the place where we will spend an eternity with him. And so we rejoice in what he has won for us and and we look for opportunities to share that message of love. We look for opportunities to tell others what we know, that they might see they have a savior too who lived and died and, and lives again. We look with joy and eager anticipation for the day that he will come and fulfill the promise that the angels made on that ascension day. They said, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The glory of Jesus is ours. The unity that he came to deliver is ours. Oneness with the Father is ours, and the hope that only everlasting life with him can bring is ours. And on that great and glorious day when Jesus returns to gather his believers to his side, that's 
the day that this prayer of Jesus, this passionate prayer of Jesus will find its fullest fulfillment. That's the day when we will, with sins, a thing of the past, will enjoy this perfect unity that he came to establish. That's the day when we will enjoy perfect oneness with the Father. That's the day, and those are the eternity where Jesus' passionate prayer and his passionate life will come to full fruition for us. Until then, let's do what we can to worship him. Until then, let's do what we can to live our lives in thanksgiving and praise. Until then, let's seek to share that message of love. Let's seek to share Christ's passionate desires with a world who doesn't know him. And then we look forward in hope, in anticipation, in eagerness for Jesus to call our name so that oneness with the Father might be ours, so that heaven and the eternal glories of living with Jesus might become our reality. He who testifies to these things says, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.